Um, it's good to see you guys this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, these guys, uh, on top of dealing with the, uh, the sound equipment demons uh, that, that just, you know, come from nowhere sometimes or whatever, uh, are also in the midst of, of trying to get ready for our student camp this week. Our students leave uh, today at noon, uh, so I'd ask that you be praying for them this week. Uh, and uh, the band is playing through the week with them, or at least some of them are. Uh, the ones that can get away from uh, the world and all that, uh, to do that, and, and a lot of other people helping them to make things happen. Um, in fact, if you offered to go help them set up stuff today, they probably wouldn't turn you down, uh, because I know they've got a lot of stuff to move, they've got a lot of stuff to load, uh, they've got a lot of stuff to set up once they get there. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, we're, this is the first year we've ever done our own camp. Uh, we've done uh, Super Summer for one million years. Uh, or at least it feels that way. Uh, it was, I think, 18 years for me personally because uh, I got to be a part of starting it. Uh, and um, anyway, uh, Super Summer kind of changed hands and uh, as, as uh, the organization that, that has it and stuff, the leadership, and uh, it just really wasn't going to work for us to try to do it, I don't think. And in fact, there was a moment we didn't even know what was going to happen, so we kind of had to pull the trigger on doing something, and we just felt like this was, Jason felt like this was just maybe the way, God's way of, you know, showing us to go ahead and pull the trigger and start doing our own camp. We talked about it forever, and so that's what's going on. So you can be praying for them this week uh, with all of that, and uh, like I said, seriously, they could, they could probably use a hand today if you're available and you want to, uh, you want to get down and dirty and uh, um, load in, load out equipment and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure they could use a hand. Um, but, uh, and then uh, our kids got back from kids camp this past week. Uh, they got back last Sunday afternoon uh, and had a great, great weekend there. And uh, we're, we're just so thankful. Thankful for guys like Dave. Thankful for guys like Jason. Jason is Penny, by the way, for those of you who don't know. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, he has a real name. <laughs> it's not just J. Penny. Um, but, uh, uh, but no, and, and then all of the people uh, that, that went, uh, the leaders that went with our kids last week, the leaders that are going to be with our students this week, same thing. Uh, and, and hey, if you got a, if you got a student and they're not signed up for camp, I, I'm sure they'll figure it out. You go out there to the, go out there to the welcome desk and, and see Trisha Taylor. Trisha, raise your hand, wave, wave your hand around right there. She, she's, she is the miracle worker, okay? Hey, yeah, Jesse over here, Jay Penny's wife, says amen. You know what that means, okay? So, uh, but no, seriously, they'll, they'll hook you up, they'll figure it out, uh, money's an issue, whatever. We'll, we'll just, you know, we want, we want students to hear about Jesus and get to worship Jesus uh, this week together and get to spend time away from the world and focus on that, and that's, that's why you do camp. Uh, but um, anyway, pretty, pretty excited about that and uh, what's going to be going on uh, with all these guys this week, so uh, keep them in your prayers. All right, if you got a Bible, let's go ahead and hit it. Uh, we're going to Mark chapter 6. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them. They will bring you one. Uh, just throw your hand up so that they can identify you as somebody who needs a Bible. Either you don't own one or you are too lazy to bring yours, and that's okay too. Either way, we'd love for you to take one, and you can keep it if you don't own one, or you can borrow it if you do. So, uh, but... Uh, Mark chapter 6 today. We've been walking through the book of Mark together. Uh, this gospel, a gospel, one of the gospels, let me give us this, I haven't said this in a while, uh, so just to kind of throw this out there, but the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
are four different accounts of Jesus' life. So imagine if we had four of your friends write an account of your life. You're going to come up with some different things because they each know different things about you. Or maybe they were with you at different times or uh, whatnot. And so that's, that's what we've got here. And in and, and Mark's account, uh, we are pretty dead sure that it came from Peter. Uh, so it could have almost been called the book of Peter, but it's not. We've got those later on in the New Testament. Uh, and, um, and we assume that Mark was kind of the guy that was, you know, writing while Peter was telling. And so, uh, you know, he traveled with Peter, spent a lot of time with Peter. He probably heard Peter tell these things a thousand times. And along the way, he started pinning them. And we've got the book of Mark. God used him and led him to put this together that we would have this account of Christ and his life and the things that he did. Uh, the funny thing about Mark is he's kind of quick and to the point. Sometimes that's cool because it's like he leaves out like some of this, you know, fluff or what we think's fluff, it's not really fluff, but you know. And then, uh, and then other times we're like, man, I feel like it got shortchanged. I'll be honest. There's a little bit about this passage we're reading today where I feel a little bit like we got shortchanged because there's part of it in other passages, uh, same story that we get a little more detail of that I think is cool. Uh, but we're, we're, we're teaching the book of Mark. We're not teaching all four Gospels. So uh, Mark chapter 6 is where we're going today. And, and through this, in this passage today, we are seeing Jesus continue to show His sovereignty over the whole natural world. In other words, we're, we're continuing to see Jesus basically have power over all things, including nature itself. And, and, and that's definitely the case in this passage. Uh, we also see in this passage something that Jesus does that he never does again. This is a one-time deal. We don't see Jesus do this again. Uh, you know, and, and it's really, it's, it's kind of almost like for movie purposes, if we're wanting to you know, turn out a, a, a new blockbuster for the summer, uh, it's almost kind of, this is like the Jesus that like, we really want to see. It's like you know, laser beams out of the eyes, Jesus, like we really want, like, you know, I mean, let's just face it, we all, we all kind of want Jesus to be that guy sometimes and just like wipe everybody out or just like, oh, you know, I mean, last week we saw him feed, you know, thousands and thousands of people with a, you know, a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Uh, you know, we're, we're like, yeah, that's great. Let's see Jesus like really just whip everybody one time. You know, that's, you know, that's, that's what we want. You know, let's just, you know, let's take the whole, down the whole Roman guard, you know. Uh, but that, that's not what Jesus came to do. And uh, that's just us being sinners and wanting to see him do stuff like that. Uh, but uh, this passage today, we're seeing him do something that's pretty amazing. And uh, let's read it. Let's check it out together. Mark 6, verse 45. And uh, it says, immediately... He made his disciples, remember this is right after the feeding of the thousands of people, okay? 5,000 men, then include women, children, may have been 10, 15, 20,000, we don't really know. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethesda. And so this is, this is a, a little, little snippet here of getting to see, like right after this amazing thing has happened with feeding all these people, that Jesus makes the disciples get into a boat, and he's trying to push them off. I don't know if you remember or not, but you know, right before this, they were trying to kind of retreat and get away and be by themselves and, and kind of take a break and get a little vacation time 
in, you know? And, uh, and, and so I, we're not real sure, not exactly sure. We kind of think that that's, you know, part of the purpose to this and like, you know, Jesus kind of getting them uh, to come away uh, because it says while he dismissed the crowd. So Jesus dismisses the crowd and then there, you know, he basically gets them into the boat. But if you notice this, notice this it, it says he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him. In other words, he's not getting in the boat. So Jesus is like, hey guys, get in the boat. And apparently there's like, you know, we don't have the, again, Mark's no detail kind of guy sometimes. We don't have a whole lot here except for the fact that we know that Jesus made them get into the boat. But the, but the wording, even in the Greek, is, is kind of leaning us toward believing that there was kind of maybe some pushback from that a little bit. Like maybe they didn't want to get in the boat. Maybe they didn't want to go. Maybe they were in the middle of talking to people. I, I don't know. Maybe they were hitting on some chicks or something. I don't know. But either way. Jesus is like, dudes, we got to go, okay? Get in the boat, and then I'm assuming like he pushes them off or something, and then, you know, they're going before him, it says. And in verse 46, it says, and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. After he'd taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And so we see Jesus do something that we see Jesus do often through Scripture, which is where He goes and gets alone to pray, to be with the Father, to talk with the Father. I think this is a pretty amazing example for us. In fact, I think it's a fantastic example for us uh, to, to realize how important prayer is. I mean, if, if, if Jesus <laughs> needed to pray, I'm afraid we might be in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like I, 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 some days I'm good about praying, and some days I'm not. I'm just being honest. Now, some days I feel like I'm great, and there's there's some days in my life where it's like, as I'm going through the day, you know, just even driving or whatever, you know, I'm I'm you know praying about this, praying about it, with my eyes open, of course, you know, um, but uh, you know, and but you know, it's uh, you know, it's one of those things that I think for all of us sometimes we struggle with that at different times in our life of seeking the Lord. But how important is that? How important are those moments for us that we would take that time and be with God and seek Him and see you know, what He wants for us, what He's looking for us, what, what He might be leading us to do? This is, this, that's why you go to camps. There's nothing special about going to a camp. You know, we know that. It's, it's going to be with the Father. It's going to seek Him, to see what He might have for us, to retreat, to get away. And it says, and when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them, and at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, he meant to pass by them. Let's go back a little bit on the beginning of this. So Jesus sees from where he is what's going on. And, and let me just kind of, there's some distance here, okay? And, and last I checked, Jesus didn't have binoculars. You know, there's, this is, they're, they're far away, okay? But he sees the disciples and what's going on with them. Now, maybe it's because it's clear and he just notices that 
they're, they're working, but, they, but they're not really moving or, you know, whatever it is. Maybe they're going backwards sometimes or something. Uh, but basically, Jesus sees what's going on with the disciples. And, and I, I really do believe that this is like a supernatural scene of, what, of what's going on with them. That Jesus sees what's going on with them. Although if we were there, we probably wouldn't have been able to have seen what was going on with them. It says, Jesus sees what's going on. The bow was out to sea. He was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. So they're making some headway, but it's not going well. In fact, uh, you know, it, it's, it's painfully, okay? In fact, this, this word in Greek is also used to uh, be substituted with the word torment. So, so what they're going through is not something pleasant. It's not just like, you know, Gilligan's three-hour tour, okay? Bunch, you won't get that because you're too young. So the issue with this is that it's not just a short amount of time. Not only is it not just a short distance, it's they're, they're on out there. They're, we're assuming, you know, probably a couple miles out on the sea. But then on top of that, uh, they've been doing this for a while. And we, and we know that to some degree because of some of the timing. We actually have some of the timing here. It says, uh, and he saw they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, which we think probably would have been around 3 a.m. or a little later, okay, of the night, walking uh, of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, let me, let me be clear with what that means. He's walking on the water, okay? He didn't find a good sandbar, okay? Uh, you know, it's, it's the Sea of Galilee. I mean, it, this is, it, it, he's walking on the water. Jesus comes to them walking on the water. He sees them going through a struggle, and he cares, and he goes to them, and he walks out on the water. Not only does he walk out on the water, but it says walking on the sea, he meant to pass by them. He meant to pass by them, and it's like, what in the world is Jesus doing? Why would Jesus pass by them? Why would he do that? Well, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Verse 49, it says, But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. For, all, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, and they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. There's a lot going on in this passage. And as a whole, we're seeing Jesus do something. We're seeing Jesus intervene in a moment of struggle. They're struggling. They're just trying to get across the Sea of Galilee. They're just trying to get across, and, and they're, not, they're not making headway. And, and chances are, they've been doing this for hours. Again, we see the word painfully used. The word torment might also fit what they were going through in this moment. Uh, essentially, they're rowing. They're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing. 
and they're not really getting where they need to go. Making headway painfully. And so Jesus, seeing what's going on with them, goes to them. He goes to them. First of all, He sees what's going on with them. I think, I think for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, we assume that at times in life, that God doesn't care about what's really going on with us. And God doesn't see what's going on with us. And in fact, uh, some close friends of mine, and, very, and, and seasoned believers, people that have been believers for a long time, and are very strong in their faith, that, that have uh, been through some serious stuff going on in the last couple years of their life. I was talking with them recently, and he told me, he said, Chris, I'll just, I'll just be honest with you, there was a moment there where we, he and his wife, he said, there was a moment there when we felt like, it, 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 he said, we know that's not true, but it felt like God had just taken his hand off of us, and that he just didn't care. And he said, the stuff that we went through was so painful, and so hard, and he's right. The stuff they were going through, and are, to some degree are still going through, was, was so painful and so hard. And then, and then he said, you know, but there came a point where I knew that God was trying to get me to come back to him and see that he was all that mattered. And he said, it took me so long to see that in that moment, you know. And he said, you know, there came a point where I just said, you know what? We'll just give up everything and we'll follow Jesus and, and, and just pray that He's still there, that He still cares, that He's still in charge. He said, we knew that that was true. And He said, the moment that we did that, everything changed. We began to see God move in the craziest of ways. I can't tell you too much of the detail, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an awesome story to get to hear of what God has done since then in their family's life. It's still not easy. But you know, we didn't sign up for easy. And I think there are some people out there that may have gotten, you know, hoodooed into believing that, you know, becoming a Christian makes life easy, but that's not the case. In fact, if, any, if anything, it oftentimes makes life harder. You know, you, th- you think about, you know, times in your life when uh, you're not pursuing Jesus. Well, guess, guess, guess who's not attacking you? Satan. Satan isn't attacking us when we're not pursuing Jesus, typically speaking. Because he's like, well, you're doing exactly what I want you to do. Those moments when we're trying to pursue the Lord, oftentimes means that we're going to come under attack. Spiritual warfare is a, will, it's a real thing. For the wind was against them. The wind was against them. Here's an interesting thought about this. Why are the disciples even in this boat? (laughs) Because Jesus put them there. (laughs) You know? And Jesus put them there and then sent them across. And don't think that Jesus didn't know what would end up happening. He's Jesus. But he's keeping an eye on them too. He's watching them. He's, he's, He's caring to see them on their little journey, on their little trip, to see how, how things will go, how will they do, all this kind of stuff. You know, and, and the end of this passage here gives us a little clue as to parts of why this is going on. First of all, I think part of it is that it's good for us to know that suffering is a part of life. 
And suffering is oftentimes part of being even a believer. And we may go, well, that, that seems unfair. You know, I wish, you know, wish we didn't have suffering or whatever. But I, think, about, think about that. Think about that statement for just a minute. What would our lives be with if you took all the suffering out? What, how, how much of life would we even think twice about seeking God if everything was hunky-dory and we were just able to take care of everything in life as it is? We'd begin to be self-reliant, I really believe, if it weren't for moments that sometimes bring us back to God. Think, think about all the hard times you've had in your life. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, get you to be like, man, I, you know, think about all that stuff. But I mean, just th- think for just a second, you know, think about all the things that we have learned through those moments of our lives. God has used those moments in our lives to teach us, to mold us, to shape us, and oftentimes to bring our butts back to Him. And sometimes he has had to drag us back to him, you know? I've had those moments in my life. He makes them get in the boat and he pushes them off out into the sea knowing that they're going to end up painfully, painfully making headway. Basically, they're going to struggle hard. But there's another piece of this that I I think, and this is that ending part here, is that we see this statement that Mark makes about the disciples being hard-hearted, right? Let's read that again, verse 51. It says, "He he got them into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, verse 52, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts, hearts were hardened. Didn't understand about the loaves. Well, that's kind of out of left field. No, not really, because it just happened. They just left the whole feeding of all the thousands of people. But it's saying here that the disciples' hearts were hardened. We don't see a whole lot of talk about that specifically about them. Some here and there. But I mean, if we were if we were disciples, I mean, surely to goodness, our hearts wouldn't be hardened. I mean, if we were hanging out with Jesus, surely our hearts wouldn't be hardened, right? I mean, it's easy for us to look at these guys and go, dudes, what you're with Jesus. Like you're seeing him do this stuff. Like you're how are your hearts hardened? Have we seen God do anything? In our lifetime? Have we experienced His grace and His mercy over our sin and our lives that He would save us? That that the Father would still send the Son to die for us knowing that we would still break His heart and go back against Him? It's the same thing. These guys, whether it was the travels and the you know, the scene of things over and over or what I, you know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, even, even being in the boat, you think about this, being in the boat and in that moment, you know, it, it says they thought they were seeing a ghost. That word can also actually be interchanged somewhat, well, it's uh, like a phantasm, a phantom, and 
which is also interchangeable sometimes with demons in Scripture. And, and so you've got, you've got the thought that, I mean, they may have actually thought, you know, oh my gosh, there's a demon out here on the water, and no wonder we're, you know, and, and, if, and if they had learned anything about spiritual warfare at that point in time, it might be that, hey, we're under attack, like we're literally under physical attack, and no wonder because Jesus is out here, you know, doing all these things in the name of God, and feeding all these people, and all these people, so, and we've been his helpers, so here we go, we're going down like the Titanic. I'll spare you the song. No, no, you're thinking about it. So, their hearts are hardened. And when apparently he was giving out all this food, we see these guys who were right in the middle of it and helping to actually pass out the food and seeing the miracle happen in front of their eyes and a part of the process we see that their hearts are hardened. And again, I think it's real easy for us to go, man, I can't believe that their hearts would be hardened. They were right there. But the truth is, we've seen God do things. If you're, if you're truly a believer, not just somebody that calls himself a Christian and goes to church, okay, because there's two way different things, okay? I want, I'll say that again. If you're truly a believer and not just somebody who calls themselves a Christian and goes to church, then you understand, if you are truly a believer, the saving power of God's grace on your life to forgive you of your sin. And it is humbling. It is humbling to the point that we have seen just a glimpse of the glory of God's work in our lives that He would count us as part of His family and call us His own and that we might be forgiven. It's amazing. But that's, that happens because of the work of what Christ has done in going to the cross, living the perfect life, giving up His life in place of ours. Sin deserves death. We know that. It's all over Scripture. Sin deserves death. Jesus took the death that we deserve, that if we believe and trust in Him, that, that we'll be saved because of the death He died on the cross. It is the blood He shed on the cross that forgives us of our sins. It's amazing. And then even on top of that, the grave couldn't keep him. Three days later, he rises again. He defeats death on our behalf. We live forever. We'll never really know what death is really like for those who have truly believed. Jesus sees their struggles. Jesus sees their struggles. I think this is amazing. And I think, it's, I think it should be encouraging for us today to know and see Jesus sees our struggles. You know, I really don't think that regular human eyes could have seen the disciples from where they were and where he was up on a mountain praying. I think that he saw them in a supernatural way, a godly way, maybe through some kind of crazy work of the Father, the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not trying to make something out of it that it's not. I'm just telling you. It's kind of the way I lean when I, when I read this passage. But Jesus sees what they're going through. And not only does He see what they're going through, He goes to them. And at about the fourth watch of the night, 3 a.m., so sometime 3 a.m. or later, He goes to them. I'm assuming that they've been out on the water at this point for hours. 
I don't know how many hours, but I mean, if you just took the idea that, you know, they probably did the, you know, eating on the grounds and feeding everybody for a while, you know, and then it was after that that they were leaving. Maybe it was dusk, maybe it was right after dark, maybe it was midnight. I don't know, give it that. You're still looking at several hours that they've been out there trying to get across the deal, and it shouldn't have taken them that long. Walking on the sea. He came to them. He came to them walking on the sea. And as you can imagine, again, I kind of gave a couple scenarios scenarios there of, of like what's going through the disciples' head when they see Jesus out on the water. It's like at first they don't realize who he is. They think he's a ghost. They think he's a phantom. Maybe they might have thought that he was a demon even as the way those words could be interchanged a little bit. Um, And no matter what, we know that they are astonished. We know that they are dumbfounded. We know this. Their minds in that moment, blown. Okay? That's that's what's going on with the disciples in the moment that they see Jesus walking out on the water. It's not not a, you know, like what we might go, it's like, Woo! Go Jesus! Man, you're the man! Woo! Walking on the water! You know, I mean, that's kind of how, you know, I think I'd like to react. But instead... They've, they've been killing it on the oars for hours, trying to make their way across. They've been tormented in pain and all these things. And then all of a sudden at 3 a.m. or later in the middle of the dark, here's somebody walking on the water and it's like, ah! Blair Witch. And I think, I think it's interesting because I think sometimes we don't think God cares. We don't think that God has seen what we're dealing with. And the truth is, is that He does. He does care and He does see what we're going through. And sometimes we've just got to go through it and He knows that for us. And sometimes that's painful. We've all got those stories. But we could also all say, you know what? I'm better for going through it. God's molded me. He's shaped me. He's allowed me to minister to people. Let me tell you what. Some of you guys have been through things. I, I, I can't, you know, you very rarely will hear me say, I know exactly what you mean when you tell me something about what you're going through. I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly what that's like. I rarely say those statements. You know why? Because I don't. Because I haven't been through some of the things that many of you have been through. But here's the beauty of that. I can can take you to numbers of people that have been through horrible, awful things within our church who have been able to turn around and be used by the Lord to minister to other people who are also going through or have gone through the same exact things. And I could go down the list of like the worst things that we could come up with, and I can, I, can, I can go name, 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 here's the person that they've talked to, here's the person they've prayed with, here's the per-, you know, and, and, and there it is. It's like, why waste our suffering? Let God use it for His glory. If we're going to go through something, let's let God use it. Let's tell His story in our life to others that they might be encouraged and get to see the work that He has done in us.
They didn't recognize him. What's he say to them? He says, take heart, it is I. Take heart, it is I. No big deal, whatever, you know. Jesus is like, what's up, it's me. Come on. And they're like, okay. Here's, here's a little nugget of joy on that. Take heart, it is I, is exactly what God said to Moses when he comes to Moses and Moses is like, what's up, well, who, who are you, <laughs> kind of thing. And he's like, it is I. The great I am. It's not on accident. They were astounded. They were dumbfounded. Their minds were blown. But their hearts were hardened at the same time. And they're trying to figure this out. And Jesus knew their hearts were hardened. He knew that their hearts were hardened when they left the shore. And I'm thinking Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going to get these dudes and get them in the boat and push them off so they can go out here and struggle for a while. Because apparently they still haven't gotten it. Their hearts are hardened. They're, they think, you know, I'm a magician or something. I don't know what they think. But they're not, they're not here with me yet. They haven't figured out yet. I am God. And I am the Son of God. And I have come to do these things that I have been teaching. And apparently they, they're not there yet. So i got to get them shoved off because I want to go spend some time in prayer on the mountain before I'm going to go out on the water and show off and be like, What's up, boys? It's me. You've been out here for what? Five hours, eight hours, whatever it's been, rowing, you're not getting anywhere. I'm just out here walking on the waves. What's up? Fish. Y'all want to fish? I'll get you one. He's making a point to them. He's not just showing off. He's trying to help them to see. He's created a situation where He's trying to help them to see who He is. How many times has that happened in our lives? How many times has that happened in our lives when we have quit trusting in the Lord and we've begun trusting in the things of this world and we run after those things and then something happens and we're like, where is this from? Why doesn't God care? What's going on right now? And he's like, I'm over here walking on the water for you. I'm still here. I'm still watching. I'm still with you. Are you with me? Or are our hearts hardened? From going through the motions, from putting other things in this world to be more important, or whatever it is, pick your flavor. It just happens. It happens so easily. We believe, but we shelve our relationship with God for when it's convenient and it's lost the luster of who Jesus is and what He's doing. And He's like, see me now. See me now for who I am. See me that I have come to walk on the waves and I'm just going to jump in the boat with you and all this is just going to go away. Job chapter 9. 
And man, I'd love to have been with the disciples when they read this at some point after the fact. Job chapter 9 verse 8 says this, Who alone stretches out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea? Who married the bear and Orion and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number? Check this out. Behold, He passes by me and I see Him not. He moves on, but I do not perceive Him. He tramples the waves. He passes by them. What's the deal with the passing by them? Why not just beeline to the boat, get in, calm the storm, be done with the whole thing? He's passing by them so that they will see Him. Do you realize other places in Scripture where we see God passing by? Here's a couple, alright? Here's a couple. We see Moses, God with Moses in uh, Exodus 33, three times Because Moses says, hey, show me your glory, God. Let me see. Let me see your face. And God's like, you don't get to see my face. It will melt you. Okay? But I'm going to let you go over here and I'm going to cover you with my hand and I'm going to pass by so that you can see a glimpse of my glory that you might see even my back. Three times he passes Moses in that. Elijah. Elijah flees. You know, kind of on the run here. Similar, same thing. God tells him to go stand on the mountain. And and this is one of those passages that, man, it just gets all over me. Goes and tells him to go stand on the mountain. And here comes a great wind, but it says God wasn't in the wind. And after the great wind, there was a great earthquake. And it says, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a great fire, but it says God was not in the fire. And then after the fire, there was a small voice. And how much of our life do we spend looking for fires and earthquakes and big winds? Come on, God, show show me something. Show me something, buddy. Bring it on. Give me something. Give me something. And he's like, I did. His name's Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you and He came to die for your sin. That you might have a relationship. A relationship with the Father. Not be good church attending people, but to have a relationship with God Himself. That through Jesus, through Him, that's possible. But only through Him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was taking a moment to show the glory of God over creation. Going to pass by the boat? That's what he's doing. That's what God was doing in the Old Testament. When he passes by Moses and he passes by Elijah, he's letting them get a glimpse of his glory. Jesus is too also passing by them on the boat that they might see him while they are rowing, not to scare the living daylights out of them, that they might see a glimpse of God's glory even over creation that He is literally just walking out there on the water. And 
And we, we talk about a lot, and this is probably somewhat my fault, we talk about a lot that we know that we exist for the glory of God, that God has created us, that others might know Him because we exist in their lives. That's glorifying Him, that He's, he's made famous. That's, that's giving God glory, okay? At the same time, I think one of the things maybe sometimes that we just miss out, especially on day-to-day life, is that sometimes we're just missing the glory of God in the world. We're, we're missing giving Him sometimes the props that He deserves, the shout-outs that He should get for the things that He has done in our lives and in this world. And I don't say that like, you know, you know feel bad about it and trying to make you whatever. I'm just saying... I think, I think it would be a great thing for us to look for these moments where Jesus, where God is being glorified in all of creation and in our lives and in the little moments that, oh, well, God must have brought us together. I mean, last week I talked about how an air unit glorifies God. But that's part of his story. And he deserves the glory for it. Let me, let me give you this one last thing, a couple last things. And it blows my mind. Jesus goes up to pray. What in the world is he praying about? What's he, is he praying about the, we don't, we don't really know, I'm just playing, the, you know. Is he praying about the mission at hand? Is he praying about, you know, just in, you know, asking the Father to continue to give him the strength that he's going to need to pull off the whole thing and, you know, whatever it is, I, you know. Is it possible he's praying about us? Praying for us? Let me give you this, this little, little passage right here. Luke 22. Luke 22 verse 31 says this. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like the wheat. This is Jesus talking, by the way. It says, but I have prayed, Jesus is saying, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prayed for him. And I believe that Jesus has prayed for us. And I don't know if you really get the gravity of that statement. But the man, the Son of God, our Savior, Savior of the world, Redeemer of all things, Creator of all things, has gone before the Father on our behalf, not just on the cross, not just to give us forgiveness, but more than that, that He's gone to the Father for it. Again, it says, Through Him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is because of who Christ is and what He's done that we get to the Father. The one who has prayed for us. Their hearts were hardened. And Jesus wanted them to see the glory. Just a little glimpse of the glory. Because apparently the loaves and the fish weren't enough. And Jesus is like, okay. We're, we're going to go with scenario number B. 
put you all in a boat, stick you out there with your flippy floppies on, and we'll let you struggle for a few hours. Then I'm going to walk out there in the middle of the night because I want you guys to understand who I am because I love you. And how many times in our lives has God done that for us where He has tried to get our attention and yet we're just shaking our fists and we're like, God, why do you make me go through this and all this other stuff? And at the end of the day, He's just saying, I just want you to come back to me, to know me because I love you and I care for you and I want you to know me in such a way that it changes your life forever and that you glorify me with yours, that others might know who I am. And here's, here's the deal. You may be in the middle of one of those moments of your life right now. Let me, let me just tell you something. Here's what you got to keep doing. you got to keep rowing. you got to keep rowing. We don't know sometimes when we, ha- when we get to stop rowing. But we can't stop. We can't give up on it. We've got to keep going. We've got to trust that there's a reason. We've got to trust that in this moment, there is a reason that God has put us here and that we are to keep rowing until He steps foot in the boat. And I'll say this, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, let me just tell you, Jesus loves you. And what He has done on the cross, He has done for you as much as He's done it for me or anybody else sitting in here. And He wants to forgive you today of your sin. And He wants to make you new. He wants to give you a new life and bring you in as part of the family. And if you'd like to talk about that, we'd love to talk with you today about that. We'll have some, I'll be down here during uh, communion at the end after, during this week, whatever, email, phone call. I I recommend if God's speaking to your heart today, act on it today. Don't put Him off. For the rest of us that are believers, may we be reminded that God loves us and He sees us and He knows what we're going through and He's called us to keep rowing until He steps foot in the boat. Take heart. It is I. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it just hits us where we need it. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to trust in you. Help us us to believe. God, maybe there's somebody hearing me right now that just needs your help to believe. God, I pray that you'd give it to them. Give them the faith that they need to make the first step and to see who you are. God, we'll spend the rest of our lives figuring it out. God, there is no figuring it all out on the front end. We know that. God, help us to have the faith that we need to follow you. God, help us to keep rowing. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.